If you put a Mormon and a Methad together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Hey guys, we're here with our friend comedian Nicole Blaine. Hi. Um, we told a story of, of yours. Um, what was that episode? We were talking about safe spaces, and I I feel like safe spaces are a great place to provide an opportunity for marginalized people to feel welcome. But I think that. S- providing a safe space is different than seeking a safe space. And so this, the, as it turned mm. into this place to hide from your trauma mm-hmm. and uh, in Portland, they were cutting off microphones. What? Yeah. For- I also think that there's a difference between creating a safe space and censorship. Like you, right. uh, a, a, like I don't think that you shouldn't be allowed to talk about subjects. I think you should look at the your motives behind the subjects that you're that you're talking about I agree. and who the actual target of your joke is, what the purpose of your joke is, blah blah blah. So like you could uh, theoretically still have a joke about a touchy subject, but it's in a way that still makes everyone feel safe. But like just cutting off a microphone. Who because, were they? What were they cutting off? Uh, somebody talked about being fat. And it's like, oh, that's body shaming. They're talking about their own body, yeah, their own experience with weight, and got their microphone. And this cut. was in, in what city? Portland. Well, doesn't that make yeah, sense? Doesn't yeah, doesn't it? It sounds it sounds pretty Portland. Yeah. So it just turns into this like there's buzzwords, and if you go anywhere near the buzzwords, and I think that something that's very important in comedy is the ability to use comedy to neutralize pain and trauma. And when someone is telling a joke about their own pain and trauma and using comedy to neutralize that, there's a big difference between that and some bro getting up and telling a rape joke. So I'll tell my my story of it because and then because it really it it traumatized me. Here's what's what's interesting is that then being okay. I'll back up because the experience was exactly a year ago. Really? Uh, yeah, oh. it was. Cause, so I get asked by um, an old childhood friend, right, um, who I went to elementary all the way up through high school with. And I'm from Santa Monica, right? And only would sometimes while we'll randomly run into her, right? And just like an old friend, like, oh, my God, how have you been? Anyways, she's very successful, um, runs with a very successful crowd that – I am not. I'm none of those things. <laughs> I'm, I am, but I'm living still in a city where you know it's Santa Monica. Like I feel like it's like right. a big. It's a big mixed bag. You know, from the apartment dwellers to the north side Santa Monica, or even now the south side, the beautiful houses, right? And so she's very successful and has all these really expensive friends, and they run a fundraiser every year, and it's. I'm, I'm going to out them because this okay. is how it's going to go. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they, wait till you hear how they treated me. Right. Okay. So the this is a nonprofit called Present Now. Okay. It's a bunch okay. of these wealthy women who are, um, have a good heart and want to do something really good. And so they've decided that they're going to start this nonprofit charity where there are women in, um, women's battered homes, right? Shelters that they've left an abusive relationship and they go to this 
asylum to live for a certain amount of time, right? For free, right? And the children that are there uh, aren't getting gifts on Valentine's Day. And I know it's a tragedy. I know that's a major, it's a major holiday for kids to get gifts. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they've decided, you know, wait, sure, Jessa, what was that's that? That's their whole charity. This is what it is, guys. Uh, it's not- what? This is a real oh, thing. I thought present now means like be present. In the <laughs> I didn't realize no, no, it no. meant present now, February 14th. <laughs> yep. I didn't even think about that. So their whole organization only exists <laughs> for Valentine's Day presents. So, well, I didn't know if you know that that's so important to children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's a big, you know, there's, Sa- there's Santa. Finally, and then there's Valentine, St. Valentine. It's St. Nick, St. Well, Val- maybe they like, came up with the idea for Christmas, and then they were, the people were like, yeah, we already got Christmas covered. There's already <laughs> another charity that exists. They're like, all right, well, uh, what else you got? Right. So this Arbor is, Day, you got anything <laughs> for Arbor Day? <laughs> Memorial <laughs> was taken. Yes. And they're like, what else do we have? Uh, Valentine's for children. So they fundraise all year so that they can go to these battered Holy women's shit. shelters. And how get- little are they donated all year? <laughs> all year. How much How much do those little hearts cost? Those little heart candies cost nothing. You guys are fundraising all year? Are you think buying a present for every kid in America? Or is this just like the, 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 the hundred kids in Santa Monica? It's pretty- <laughs> Exactly. All it's year long, these really the rich poor people in Santa Monica are me. In. This is for my children, ultimately. No, so there's like a few, a few battered Ooh. women's shelters. It's, uh, it's okay. So you're with me. We're uh, all on the same page now. Except yeah. for the part where you said you lived at a battered women's shelter. Oh but, yeah, okay. I don't. Right, okay. right. I might as well. Right. So my son abuses me. That's another <gasps> story. My son punched me in the face today. Okay. For real? Oh, every day. So, but I love him dearly. That's the problem. Is I feel like. We'll get to that another time. Uh, I don't feel like women in battered shelter, uh, battered women's shelters, maybe want to think about Valentine's Day. Maybe that's the reason <laughs> that they don't get any gifts. Strange, right? Maybe they would like this to isn't even for the women for a couple years, and this isn't for the mothers. This is for the children. So they're fundraising for children to get them present <laughs> now on Valentine's Day. Never not going to be funny. Exactly. So they say we have our big giant annual fundraiser. It is huge, and you get like four hundred women. And they all go down to a beautiful hotel and a spa. They have a spa weekend and they're going to have all these like jewelry sales and silent auction. And then they're going to have a giant drinking live auction. And in total raise $37. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. A yoga class the next day. But one of the things that they do is they have a stand up comedian who's going to come on and they ask me to do a half hour. Okay. Okay, 30 minutes, and it's going to be at like 1030 at night. You know, when everyone's tired. Uh-huh. It's too late for it's a show. It's too late yeah. for a and show. They've been drinking. They've been day drinking since 9 a.m. and spying mm-hmm. and whatever like that, right? So now I've None of these are battered women, though. These are all no. just like rich ladies who these are, are on all a retreat for hey, charity and quotes. Get battered. Okay. okay. I saw Nicole Kidman in that really great. She was, oh, I love that, that show. That was the best. That was hot. That was, I wanted a very to be hot show. battered. Did you watch Big Little Lies? No, you yeah. were just, I thought you were just telling me about this. It's so it's good. It's Aaron, you would love it. It's yeah. hot? It's hot. Uh, he, yeah. Nicole. Nicole it's so, uh, she's and the hot guy from True Blood. Yeah. And they have this kind of violent relationship Alexander that like Skarsgård? he hits yeah. her. Yeah. He hits her and then she's like, yeah. gets up and yeah. then he fucks her. Yeah. I turned it's to my hot. husband Ooh. and I was like, you need to start beating me. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't been doing this. But that was the hottest sex I'd ever seen in my life. Okay. 
Wow. So <laughs> it's a hot fucking show. It's a really hot show. So it's that type of thing. So I go. So there's no battered women that are donating. But one Ugh. of the things that they do at the beginning of this 10 hour day um, and, and at this show. So it starts at like eight o'clock. They have a sit down dinner and they have brought three people from one of the battered shelters. OK, so that they're going to that's their pull for money. Right. They're like, look, this woman gotcha. was a child there and now works there. Right. Like it's a survivor who okay. is now also with a degree and is a social worker and yada, yada. So. Okay. So. And then I think there was another woman who was a survivor and is now there to tell her story. And they and so I think two women are there and they're going to tell their their horror stories of being a battered mother or they were the child or whatever. None of them were battered yesterday. I Right. I want to make that clear. Yeah. Okay. Okay, because okay. that, that's the, there's a timeline, right? Like right. they're they're all strong survivors. I'm here, and now you should donate a gift for Valentine's Day. They're not uh, recent PTSD, still processing. Their it doesn't trauma. look. I don't see bruises on their face. Right, <laughs> I, they look good to me, right? You know. So, but I realize now I have to tell a joke after all of this, and I and I make a choice, and I think this is one of the. It's the same thing as that. If I'm going to tell my Jewish joke, right, I need to make it very clear I'm a Jew, right? you know, like right. somewhere in there. So it's we're all OK to laugh about it. And I made a choice. Um, there was someone who was telling a story, one of those women, um, that her stepdad or dad or whatever tried to murder her mom. Not funny. No, not, no. not nothing funny about that. Um, so I now the same thing happened to me. My stepdad tried to murder my mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, now it's kind of funny. Right now, no. what a coincidence. <laughs> I was rolling. I was like, oh, keep going, what? Um, so, but I think that as I'm about to get into a half an hour of jokes, I want, so I decide that I make this bold choice as a stand-up. I was like, I want to say thank you so much for the women who told their true stories. I think that's really brave. And I think, thank you all for coming to this really honorable thing. <laughs> so important. Um, we can all, and I think, I, I think I wrote a really fun, like, oh, it was right when we were doing the women's walk last year um that was the big first one downtown yeah yeah or i guess that was two years ago so this was this the second year of it that's what it was and we were instead of walking everyone was up here doing this san diego spa day and i was like (laughs) i think it's really great that we all came together for women on the same weekend of women's march right like well we're getting a spa let them walk (laughs) we're doing such great work um anyway so i said you know you shared a story about how you watched your stepdad try to murder your mother. The same thing happened to me. And I feel you. And I think it's amazing that I can be here. You know, I was that child also. And that I can be here now um, safe and with, an, you know, and, and sharing yeah. my story. And so I tapped on it, which I thought was going to ease up when I do tell later 20 minutes into I have a date rape joke right right and I have a joke about my stepdad being a molester right but it's going to be interesting from this point of view like I'm with you I'm a survivor yeah. right because we don't use the word victim anymore right okay right. and so I felt like I kind of tapped on it so like I'm I'm giving everyone here the permission to know I can talk about no, this. no I think that's a great setup yeah, yeah I would have done something similar okay so now I've got 30 minutes and 20 minutes in I tell the joke, my date rape joke. And you have them before this. Everything's fine up to this point? Yeah, 
I mean, ten thirty p.m. Fine. Typical. Ten thirty p.m. Corporate. Yeah. 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 Like I feel like there was like the rowdy group of women who loved me. There yeah. were other people who wanted to like cry because they were so tired from like standing all day or whatever it was. Yeah. But it was it was a whatever crowd and it's a big room. It's four hundred people, whatever. And so here's the so here's the joke and anyone can go online to see it if you want to see how it is. But this is this is the joke. It goes like this. Um, can I get dark and edgy? And everyone yeah. was like, yeah. yeah. And everyone yeah. always said, yeah. And everyone gives the same response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, okay, this one's really, this one's really edgy. This one, I want to ask you permission. And that's a key word in the joke, guys. That's right. that's part of the setup. I want to mm-hmm. ask you permission. Are you okay if I tell a joke about my date rape? And no matter what, someone always yells, yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and then and then I go, okay, I go. Um, I don't want anyone to get. And this is how it goes. I don't want anyone to get weird. I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. Don't. Because in all honesty, this was best case scenario, date rape. And right at that moment, now I've got only 30 more seconds of the joke, okay? Right at that moment, out of the complete silence, someone yells, stop! (sighs) And at first, I wasn't sure if it was a heckle. You know, like, yeah. and, and I don't know, you guys have been heckled before, right? Yeah. And you kind of like always want to ignore the first thing and make sure. Sh- right. I pretend for yeah. a while that right. it's not happening. Right. We're going to ignore it. So I kind of, and I don't know where it came from. So I'm just going to keep going. And I'm like, and so I keep going. I'm like, best case scenario, date rape, because, and I hear, stop it right now. <gasps> yeah. And my heart freezes. I've never had this happen. No. And I look to see who it is and I realize it's coming from my table where I was sitting with the women who run it. Oh, and it is the woman who runs the entire thing. Yeah. And she's sitting next to one of the women who had survived and had told the story of whatever. Uh Right. Right. And, and I look at her and I go, just so you know this and I I break completely like you know and I was like just so you know this is actually a really safe joke um it's not anything bad I end up taking all the power back and I immediately start you know kind of defending it Uh and she goes I said stop oh fuck you bitch and uh you can't recover. No, you're not coming back from that. You're not coming back from that. I had another fucking 10 minutes, you know, and some other girls were like, wait, what's going on? Finish the joke. Oh, my God. And I was like, no, no, no. Go to my website. It's on there. NicoleBlaine.com. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had 10 more minutes to go. But you can't tell the other joke now. I had already told that one. Okay. Thing. And that one went over fine. The molesting one went over fine. Um, what? Yeah. So Do you think she was mad about the molesting one? And then when you went into the date rape possible. one? Very possible. So I, I do 10 more minutes that are high energy, poopy, peepy, vagina, penis jokes, which is now real fucking awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like all body stuff. It was terrible because it was kid mommy jokes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm shaking. It would have fucked me up so my, hard. I'm sweating in a way that's so bizarre. And I go back to my chair and uh, she comes over at some point when like the evening breaks up, you know, and I'm, I, I can feel it now. Like my, my whole back tenses up and she came, the woman who runs it comes over to me and she whispers, she's like, you know, it's just that the woman who was battered, you know, turned to me and said, make her stop. Huh? So here's what I thought afterwards. And this is where I'll throw it back to you guys. Here's my feeling. Walk out of the room. If something is upsetting you that much and you've got 400 people in a room, 
right? And you're the one, you don't know if anyone else is bothered. Everyone else is laughing, right? It's right. a comedy show. First of all, it's going to be over in 30 seconds. Like, all you have to do is cover your ears and go, blah, 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 I'm not listening. Or you walk 20 feet out of the room and, and take your breather. Like, you as a survivor, if you are at a not as evolved state as I am, I don't know if you should be ripping me down from where I am in my progress. To, I don't very, know. Very, very good point. I... Do you think she really said that to the lady, though? Or do you think the lady just told you that to make you feel like shit? I never thought about that Because that's a quick way. and strong reaction. Like, if someone said that to me, I would be like, uh, I'm not going to interrupt. Maybe you should. Uh, I'm I willing to bet I don't that she to didn't do. say but that. But she immediately was like, stop. I said, stop it. But I don't know a ton of survivors. I just had this conversation because somebody said I was shaming a drug addict on a, on a post. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to cut you off there uh, as someone who was addicted to drugs and and has 90% addict friends. We have great senses of humor and we don't give a shit. We're not going to start this don't shame drug addict shit. Uh, also, do you have any idea who I am? <laughs> we make fun of drug addicts. Uh, as someone who's been uh, in abusive relationships, been molested, I just don't feel and who knows other survivors i just that just doesn't feel like unless you are a week in right uh that Which doesn't feel like something she was actual survivor would here's say. what i find interesting like th- i had an i've had a whole year to sleep on it and think about <laughs> all the fucking things i'd like to say to these dumb bitches uh here's what's interesting they show a 10 minute video right of this woman her story and how abused she was and this and that and i'm gonna tell you what you know what I find interesting? You know what's more re-traumatizing? Me watching your fucking dramatic video that's totally going to make me remember my fucking trauma. You didn't right. ask. I just said to you, my stepdad tried to murder my mother. I was there for it. And now I'm watching a 10-minute sad video, and I've got to go up and do stand-up, and then I'm going to tell a joke that lasts one minute and 20 seconds about right. a funny way to phrase a date rape from, like, fucking college. And you think yours isn't any more traumatizing? Like, you, uh, why is people a view, video any people, any less harmful than me telling a 20-second joke? I think it's the way people view comedy. I think that uh, they it's a all around an undervalued art form that uh, people take for granted. But uh, stand-up, it just... Like if you when you frame things with 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 some nice piano music at the beginning of a video and some some flowery voices that then tell the story, it, everyone feels like this is a socially agreed upon way to grieve. I don't know to to like sit solemnly, but then when you get into loud laughter, it uh, I don't know it, that 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 makes it feel meaner. The people. Uh, don't get the nuance of the it, other problem is this is a rough space to do comedy in of right course, it's like a hotel it, and they didn't come here for the comedy show exactly so this is also now my bad where i have to realize one i should stop taking gigs like that yeah, yeah. right Shouldn't like we all i won't do any more kid fucking fundraisers i'm so done with that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you've ever been in a cafetorium but let me tell you right now don't perform there don't do it turn away there's nothing good that comes out of it um but every time i set myself up in these bad situations like that's why those jokes do better 
in a comedy club. Then right. I feel like you shouldn't be able to shut down a mic. Right. Right. Like now we are all here under the idea that there's going to be a stand up who's going to be telling jokes. I do understand being. Guess what? These women shouldn't be hiring a stand up comedian at 1030 p.m. No. Right. At the end of their let's make some Valentine's gifts for children who watch their moms getting beaten. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like that's the right place for comedy. Then That's so many like when when a corporate gig goes badly, like I <sighs> always want them to know that it was their fault. <laughs> I was like, listen, I know, like, it just, you're going to go away tonight being like, oh, what a terrible comedian we hired. And no, uh, you hired a great one, mm-hmm. but uh, you uh, you booked this the wrong room for it. Yeah. You uh, the conference didn't have room. the right microphone for it. There you was had no a microphone. You on stage. <laughs> you had the lights on. You started this way too late. It's Tuesday night. You didn't tell any of your employees that stand-up was going to be there. Exactly. Everyone is uh, right. surprised. And sober. And yeah, like all, all of this is all on you, man. Yeah. Yeah. This is your fault. Mm-hmm. You go home and have trouble falling asleep tonight, okay? <laughs> the kid, the fun, the, of the many fundraisers I've done, one of the worst was when I was on a stage where the mic wasn't working. The lights were off on the stage, but only on the people. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all lit. <laughs> and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? And I had just started as a parent at the school. And they told me, whatever you do, don't do your baby blew up your vagina joke. <laughs> and all I could think to do was my baby blew up my vagina. <laughs> I was like, I was standing on a dark stage with all these new parents. And it was just, it was one of those things where I was like, the principal literally looked at me. She was like pale as a ghost. And I was like, I'm going to have to see all these people at carpool tomorrow. This is not going to go well. <laughs> I got to stop those gigs. So Nicole, what's with this bread? Oh, so guys, this is my gift to you. Okay. Have you ever been to Langer's? No. And Jessa, you've never been to Langer's? Everyone who listens to your podcast from LA knows about Langer's. Okay. Just what so is you, it? It's Just the best. A bakery. No. Oh. Well, it's known for the number 19. I wasn't going to bring you the pastrami. It's oh. the best pastrami in the United States. Oh, okay. It, it's, I mean, even like New Yorkers will be like, mm, it's Langer's. Really? No, they're too snobby. They'll never admit it. But it's totally fucking Langer's. Everybody knows. So their rye bread is delicious. So I thought that was one thing I could bring you is this is like you're, you're the Mormon, you're the meth head, and I'm the Jewish mom. Oh, very nice. So I brought the rye bread. Thank you. Do you like rye bread? I do. And gluten I like free. Bread. Yeah, toast yeah. it. Get a little butter on there. Maybe nice. salami and mustard. Rye bread's the best bread. It is the best bread. I it like is. sourdough, maybe. I do. Yeah. I do. Sourdough's second. <sighs> I haven't met a bread I don't like. <laughs> I This reminds me, I was a missionary in Italy, and like bread was so important. Everyone... Everyone bought bread all the time. You just buy these like, you know, these big round things of bread. There was bread with every single meal. You just put a giant loaf of bread on the table. And everyone would just like rip into it and dig into it. Uh, Mormons are allowed to eat bread? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we, have, we take uh, when, uh, bread for the sacrament, bread and water. And when I was a deacon, when you turn 12, you can pass the sacrament in church on Sunday. When you turn 14, you help prepare the sacrament on Sunday. Uh, And so I remember like always bringing loaves of bread to church, getting there, uh, getting to sacrament meeting a little bit early and standing in this little like back uh, room behind the stage or whatever and just like ripping up the bread and breaking it up and putting it into the things. 
And you just like sneak a. That was probably the best part about being yeah. Mormon was the bread. It sounds a lot better than those fucking wafers that the Catholics. Oh, have. they're they're so much better. They're so much better, especially like because sometimes people will like make homemade bread. Those like you. I mean, usually we're just talking run of the mill store bought bread, okay? But like every now and then, like during like Pioneer Commemoration Week or something like that, they would some mom would like make real bread, and then you, oh, that'd be passed around that it smells so good. Oh my goodness! You ever have challah? Challah? Mm-hmm. The Jew bread. The, the Jewish bread? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, no. No, that's our bread. That's our okay. That's ours. I won't. I won't take it. Yeah, I won't yeah. take it. I've almost thought about <laughs> trying to make it. If I if I ever do, I'll bring you a loaf of challah. Is it the brown and white, like braided looking it's stuff the braided from one. the Seinfeld mm-hmm. episode? Yeah. Okay. That's your only reference. Yes. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I feel pathetic. <laughs> Do you, uh, could I ask the story of your stepdad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you mean the joke? No. no or, <laughs> oh, when my dad, when he almost, yeah. the murder? Yeah. Oh, yes. This will apply to you. You really yeah. don't know it. No. No. So, I'd have to jump ahead, but I'll give a little bit of the backstory of it. My parents, my mom was like this phenomenal, overachieving perfect mom she she really was like just amazing and uh my dad had like a peter pan complex and like never grew up and there's a whole nother story there but they got divorced when i was nine and she fell in love with someone who she thought was really high functioning and he was amazing so she fell in love with my stepdad and instantly like they started she cheated on my dad got with him they divorced quickly and he moved in like three days later oh my goodness after the divorce and the moment that I'm, we call him, his real name is Gary. Um, and we've always called him Scary Gary. Cause like if you looked into his eyes, you, and I'm, I don't know if you've ever, you must have. Have you ever, sounds like a movie. Have you ever met a psychopath? Uh, are you talking like a narcissistic personality disorder or I past mean, that? I mean, uh, someone diagnosed as a psychopath. Like wow. a psychotic person who has got then, you know, like he ended up, what I didn't, no, at that moment, now looking back, he went in and out of like insane asylums. Holy coming shit. forward. Like, but when I saw him, I turned. How bad was your dad that this guy seemed right? like a step up? Let me tell you, my dad always said hey, that. He was like, How good do I look now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter Pan can't make any money. <laughs> she was so annoyed with this guy yeah. that, she, that she looked past another man's like crazy, yeah. rigidy <laughs> uh-huh. She's like, That's what I need. Uh, she didn't. Do these murderers it. have some uh, some uh, something that they're aspiring to? They've got right. goals that they're setting. He was. Or? He was. He was determined. So she did. She saw him through. Like he was passing the bar at the time, and she thought he was so smart, and so she was really into him. And what he was. When see- you take the bar, they don't ask you if you ever were in an insane asylum. <laughs> he That's not question <laughs> number one on the bar. I thought that was on there. Uh, he hadn't had the breakdown yet. So. Okay. I saw it coming as a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh, and my mom thought I was just like, you just don't like the new boyfriend. And mm. I was like, mm, pretty sure he's going to murder us. <laughs> and I told her that. I was like, I have a dream that we're in a <sighs> rowboat and he's tied you up and you're a mummy and he's like rowing me and my brother out into the middle <gasps> of the ocean. This is a dream. Yeah, and I kept having this recurring dream. Multiple times. Oh my goodness. O- over and over. I can still remember the dream vividly because we're in a, like, a, like a rowboat in like off the coast 
and she is completely tied in like a like oh my like like underwear a Mormon would wear, but like mummied with it okay. and gagged, and and I could see her eyes I don't that know she what was kind alive. Of you think we were. <laughs> But we can get to that. But uh, like a mummy. All right. You know, like a Mormon Not what our mummy. Is like, but okay, like a mummy. Just like that. And uh, but I could see it. He kept saying, "Your mom is dead. We have to take her out to see and dump her body." That's what we were doing. But I could see in her eyes that she was imprisoned and in a trance and in a coma, going, "Get me out of here. Save me." Which what is all a completely terrifying. terrifying dream when you're nine years old and you've met the new guy. Right. And she was like, you're crazy. So flash forward. Um, he is a high functioning lawyer um, and she's running her own private practice. She's and they've been together how long at this point? Well, so I was nine. And by the time I get, let's just say from nine to 18, what was really happening. Oh, my God. OK, those those years, what was really going on was every now and then he would disappear over a weekend. We didn't know where Scary Gary went. <laughs> And he'd come back a week later. Were you calling him Scary Gary to his face? <laughs> because no. this might have triggered. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is no. afterwards. No. Right. Um, he would come back. Uh, and all of a sudden, my mother would have him in the bedroom and be like, no one can go in there. Like, the lights need to stay off and be very quiet. And what, of course, he was doing, he was going on these, like, drinking benders, right? right. And he would take, like, and he would take his car and drive up the coast and eventually come back. But all along the way, he would fuck a bunch of prostitutes and drink for a week and then seven or eight months would go by and he'd be fine and then all of a sudden another week he'd disappear right okay so this had been going on for all these years that she was like trying to like make him be okay um i had my own problems flashback of like where does my molesting joke come from yeah that one when i was so like i would you remember like coming home you're a latchkey kid and no one's home because your parents are at work and they're not going to be home until six o'clock. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're off at two forty five. So yep. you get home at three o'clock and there was a TV in the house, which was um, in their room, in their bedroom. And I remember I'd go grab a bag of chips and I'd go up into her bed and I would get under the covers and I would turn on Jem. Right. What's Jem? It's like a cartoon. Yeah. Jam, jam, truly. Okay. And I, you know. help? (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least I now know that's a cartoon. She's a rock star. I didn't know this was like a precursor to Ricky Lake. Well, and I'm also, I think now that I'm saying this out loud, because I don't tell the story often, but I was young enough to be watching Jim. Right. But also Home Alone. So whatever age range, again, he came in at nine. So imagine I'm 10, 11, whatever it is. Yeah. And he would come home early from work. And... He wore a suit because he was a lawyer and he would get 100% naked and he would get into the bed next to me and he would lie very close for one hour while I watched Jem and then he would get fully dressed and he would go back to work. What? Scary Gary indeed. Right. That's a, that's so terrifying. Right. Jesus. So. Just lie still naked next to you. I don't think he was still. Okay. Okay. And how did that feel for yeah, what is you? Because at that age, it's like, because I, I was getting molested for a long time before I realized I was getting molested, mm-hmm. especially our generation where mm-hmm. we were forced to hug and kiss yep. everybody and shit. Mm-hmm. So it was a long time before I was like, no, I have the rights to not have this dude's fingers inside of me. Like I have, uh, this stuff is, you know, I, 
into adulthood still processing that mm-hmm. uh, none of that was okay. Right. And so... Uh, yeah, did you know, like, when he gets naked, does that feel wrong? And you're like, I was horrified. A, it's, I barely know you. It felt like I was like, you're not my dad, and that'd be weird if my dad did <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> again, my dad looks real good again. <laughs> dad, sweetheart. Um, uh, I knew it was wrong. So at some point, as soon as I heard um, him come home, so it wasn't like every day. It was like it'd be random, right? Mm-hmm. So I could hear the garage, and if he was, if I heard it go off, I would leave the room, right? So he saw me leaving the room, and he was like, "Get back in that bed and watch your Ooh. TV," and that was what I remember is that he would force me. To lie there. Did you tell your mom or no. did it feel like you can't? No, I hope she never does. I hope she doesn't even listen to this podcast. I doubt she listens to Mormon and the Method. Yeah. <laughs> you never told her ever. Uh-uh. Damn. I think it may have come up later when, when I tell you then what happened later. Maybe there was a lot of purging of a lot of stories. So this may have like, but we never, if she knows this story, we certainly never talked about it again. Okay. So flash forward, he... Um, I'm 18 years old and I go away to uh, college my freshman year. I come home my freshman year that summer and it was like, oh my God, I'm so grown up. Like this is going to be the best summer ever. Like I'm going to like, I'm so old. My little brother, like he's so lame. He's been like living in the house alone. Like, and he had been called, he like called me randomly. Like you need to come home. Something's wrong with mom. And I was like, who are you? Like what? You like you call like I was like who's my brother? Like how I, old is he? He's fourteen. Yeah, he okay. had just started high school, so him even calling was weird, and I kind of ignored it. And then my dad calls, my real dad, and he's like, "Hey, like I think I think your mom is sick. I think you need to come home and check her out." And school was ending in like six weeks, my freshman yeah. year, and he right. was like, "You need to come home early." So I make a trip on May third. Nineteen ninety six. You go check on her dad. Yeah, really. I've got finals coming up. Yeah, I have like so many boys to blow. uh, This a a lot to put on an eighteen year old. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. So I come home and I walk into my house and all of the windows are covered in blankets. Oh sh. Oh my god. All of my stepdad's law firm office. He had his own private practice. All of the bookshelves and fourteen computers and desks. Everything is cluttered in our house, floor to ceiling. There are computers on, and every single one is playing porn. (gasps) What? In the living, everywhere, every room. Bestiality porn, child porn. Holy shit. Mormon porn. You know, it's there. I'm sure he had it on. Everything. It's just two mummies fucking. (laughs) (laughs) There's my mummies. Nicole's like Mormon porn. (laughs) I'm familiar. (laughs) They wear underwear on their faces. Yeah. So the whole room is like this, and in the corner there is now a man. So your fourteen-year-old brother is in this house. That's what I keep thinking about. Porn on every screen. How long was this going on? Did that just get set up that day? That and you happened to come home, or all year? All year, (gasps) and your brother's like, "She, mom, might be sick." (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, he had never said anything. It's hard to verbalize. You think that you're not going to believe it? He didn't know what was going on. Can you guess what it was? Drugs. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. My stepdad had taken on a, a, a case for pro bono, a little girl who looked identical to me. Oh, shit. Identical. 18 years old, looked like she was a twin of mine, took on her case. She was a partier and had him try cocaine and then had him try crack and he became addicted. 
Oh my god. And scary Gary. Scary Gary. We yeah. And so my mother was devastated and could not have another and she was so in love with him and could not and you know she had nursed him after every time he had done alcohol she could always sober him back up and he'd be fine for another seven or eight months so she was like i got this and she was running his private practice running her business she was devastated we were so close and i had left for college so she was already depressed and unstable and completely my little 14 year old brother never said a thing and day after day after day slowly he watched this couple just completely deteriorate and she was so depressed and so sad and she turned to him one day and was like what is this stuff let me try it. <gasps> and he was like, no. And she was like, I have to. Oh, no, no, I know no. so many people that got like addicted or started shooting. I started shooting up because my boyfriend was See? shooting up with another girl. Yep. And I was like, I want to do Let that. me in. Let me in. Because they and were she, like yeah. on a different level together. And she couldn't bear the... P- she said she was so depressed. It was such a... It was such a loss. There was nothing... Like the pain was so heavy that when she took that hit, she said every single... There was no more sadness. And then it was like she was addicted. And so my brother had been living in a crack house for a year. Oh, my God. So I walk into the crack house and there are a lot of people living there at this point. <gasps> Holy shit. Explains all the computers. Everyone has to bring one. <laughs> yeah. You'll get a computer. Y-O-P. A, yeah, they know. It's all my stepdad brought it in. Um, Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Give a slow turn to that's Jessica. Great, that's I was great. like, she did say P, right? <laughs> she did uh, say P. P- pewter. pewter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was a a crip that was living in our house. <laughs> is is your party twin living at the house? She had long gone. Oh, damn. She she I think that would have been cr- the craziest jail. part of the story is if you like came into your bed like you walked yeah. through this house my of doppelganger course, and then in your bedroom is you and you're like what? But what? like she's lying next to my stepdad and yeah, she's watching Gem truly outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like get out of here, bitch! That's my spot. <laughs> Move over. Um, holy shit! So you left and they were high power lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> and you came back and there was a crip guys in your crack house. Shit got crazy. Holy shit. Man, you I were, thought this is why you asked me to be on the podcast. Yeah. No, this is great. This, this is, is a fantastic everything story. I could have ever wanted. This you didn't see a, this coming. The no. I have the creepiest <laughs> image of just a, a house wa- like walled yes. with computers yeah. uh, playing various kinds yeah. of porn. Let me, can I paint it more for you? Yeah. We also, had, it was like a, a weird, like it was a, it was a condo, like a, a townhouse, right? So we were next to all these other, like, you know, apartment, all, you hear the neighbors, right? Like right. we all do, yeah. right? Um, and so it was a very tall building. So it was three stories. It was kind of like a narrow, like, yeah. And all there was a basement. Okay. That went out to where the garage was and it had no windows and it was also, it was like underground basement. And on the way down one day, my hand slipped on the railing cause it was covered in canola oil, <laughs> you know, for all the sex den stuff i walk into the downstairs this is the worst thing this i don't want to tell my mom either and i found a gift from my date rapist my high school date rape boyfriend Uh. had given me a huge gift of sex toys and my mother had gone or my stepdad had gone into my room into a deep dark closet of mine and all of my sex toys were covered in like shit like (gasps) feces and like canola oil 
Oh and I was like, I'll never use that again. <laughs> what a shame. I'm definitely allergic to canola oil. <laughs> I won't even cook with it. I won't even cook with it. <laughs> oh, oh man. my God. Oh, wait. I didn't get to the murder part. No. No. <laughs> this is... This is one of the best stories I've ever heard. Please oh, go on. Yeah. You're doing great, by the way, like as a person who saw uh, all this <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I and my my kids think I'm the worst mom ever. Like, <laughs> I'm so close to being like, you have no idea how good I am. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, but again, my dad will still be like, can you believe she left me for that? Um, so this went on and I at the end of that. So I had. I had a guy that I had been in love with all in high school that I had this crush on. And he was like the hot guy. So I went for his best friend, mm. right? right? Who never graduated high school, was covered in acne, and was like a super asshole. Right. So I stayed with him. So that yeah. was like that my date rape boyfriend, you know, and he was really mean to me. Um, but I was always in love with the best friend. His name was Mickey. And I worshipped this guy. So when I had come home that weekend to find the house like that... I didn't know what to do. And so I called my ex-boyfriend, the mean one. Yeah. And I was like, can I come over? Like, let's fuck. I, I have no <laughs> idea what else to do. I don't know where to go. I can't stay here. It's gross. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come over at midnight because this like high school girl I'm fucking will be gone by then because she has a curfew. Cool. <laughs> On my way. So I <laughs> sounds about right, yeah. right? Yeah. So I get there at midnight, like he says, and he's there, but also this, the best friend Mickey? that I was, Mickey, Mickey, yeah. the hot, the hot, sweet one. Right. Uh -huh. So he's like, Hey, it's so good to see you. Here's my page, your number page me. Maybe when you're home for the summer, I'll see you. Right. That's how long ago this is. That's yeah. why I'm like, 1996, yeah. <laughs> page me. It. So I go and I fuck my ex-boyfriend for the night and then I leave the next day and Mickey's like, you know, call me. So I get back to school. I have to go back up to college to finish up. And I page Mickey a week later. And he calls me back from a payphone. Did you leave your brother there? I do. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know what. First of all, I don't, I don't want you to think I knew what was going on. Like, I thought the crip was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, why is Dwayne eating all our cinnamon toast crunch cereal? It's obnoxious. So I leave. I didn't know what it was. I go back to school and I start talking to Mickey and we talk every night. And a week later, um, he shows up in my dorm room. He flew up to see me. Aww. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, surprise. And uh, we hung out. And at the end of that night, he was like, I love you. I'm going to marry you one day. <gasps> I was just about to say, I hope how the story ends. And so I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh when i came home for that summer we started dating and when i he's looked around and he was like i i think this could be drugs let's break into your mom's room when they're on a out because they would go on runs we didn't right. know what they were doing we'll break into the room and we'll try to find some clues and so that was when i f went in there one night and and it was like there was all the paraphernalia but you don't know you know like oh what is this like there's a lot of sos pads and there's a lot of baking soda yeah and there's test tubes and there's burnt spoons and there's spilled water with like powder in it and there's all these little tiny balls in the carpet so we took a bunch and we put them in plastic bag and we went to his roommate who used to be um like a cocaine guy and he tested. He was like, this is this is crack. Oh, my God. And I didn't believe. I like talk about not understanding. 
And the end of that summer came and I was getting ready to go back to college. And I was like, thank God I'm out of here. Like, thank God. And my, um, I knew I needed to do something with my brother. So I was like, we should go to a therapy session. I don't know. <laughs> can't hurt. <laughs> can't. It can't hurt. So we go to this weird therapist. I don't even know. And my brother who has had no personality and never speaks and is always the quietest kid in the room. He'd be diagnosed on the spectrum today. You know, just, yeah. he was just super quiet and had weird social cues. But like, he's, he's fine. Um, this, the therapist turned to him and was like, Jeffrey, what do you think about all this? And his nostrils started to flare. And for the first time I saw him emotional and he broke down and he went, I just, I just don't want my sister to go back to college and leave me here. Oh, and I was like, done. I didn't even know this kid. I was like, fine. Um, I'll drop out. Like I'll move in with you. And I went home and I told Mickey and I was like, look, I know this was the summer fling. You have no obligation to stay with me after this, but I'm going to have to stay in L.A. because I got to I got to raise my brother. And he was like, great, I'll move in with you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And the reason any of us have survived is because Mickey, who is my husband now. Oh, yes! my God. <laughs> and he's the greatest. I love human. Mickey. He, everybody loves Mickey. Oh. He is the hottest. He's the, sweetest. He's, the, he's the hero. He is the hero. So we moved in and we raised my little brother and uh, got him through high school. And I'll they just stay on crack this whole time. They did. How does the law practice do? Closed down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make it. Like, they, like a very different clientele. <laughs> didn't make days. it. Um, so now I'll get to the murder part. And then that'll be that'll be that. Yeah. We, we'll con- yeah. You want to conclude on the yeah. murder yeah. story? So I knew one day something was going to happen. Like I was like, they'll die. They'll die. That's right. what it'll be. Then there had been already so many times of my, I'd seen my mom covered in blood and he had, uh, you know, thrown her into windows and smashed her face open and I'd begged her to leave. You know, it's been years, right? Like right. it was, it was, it was a lot of abuse. So when these girls were talking about the little children need Valentine's gifts, I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, I think they just need somewhere where there's no one beating their head in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what they need. But anyways, um, I pull up from, I'm getting off of work and I pull up and I see my stepdad being arrested and he's being handcuffed. And I was like, well, she's either dead. Um, oh my goodness. Mar- so I, I, I mean, she must be dead in there. Like I knew that because the abuse had gotten so crazy and I lock eyes with scary Gary oh. and he smiles at me. <gasps> Fuck. And I walk by. And I go inside and I see my mom is alive. She's talking to a female cop. What had happened was she he had tried to strangle her and uh, cover her face with a pillow and strangle her and pillow and something like that. And she had gotten to his landline time. She had gotten to a landline and grabbed the phone and dialed like nine. And he pulled the phone out of the wall. And then they, you know did more scurrying and got to another level like up the, up the stairs, uh-huh. you know, slipped up from the canola oil railings <laughs> up to the next floor. Um, and she got to another phone and dialed like nine one. And if you do that a couple times and someone stops you, the police will come. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They do. They show up. If you have attempted calls, it'll be uh, flagged. So the, the police came or maybe a neighbor called now that I think about it. And I never thought about like probably how loud we were and all the people who knows, but they came, they showed up. I think it was the nine one one things. And they arrested him, and she didn't press charges. Fuck. 
and there wasn't enough drugs in the house to warrant dealing, only using, and so they don't really care. Yeah. So he got taken away for six months to a inpatient rehab facility. And she was going to stay home. And I thought, this is it. I'll sober her up. Perfect. The bad guy's gone. Right? Bad guy's gone. And now doesn't that dream make so much more sense right yeah. now? Yeah. 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 So I was really excited. I had my mom back. And uh, and her dealer called. And I was like, hey, Miharas. <laughs> good news. Like, you don't need to come anymore. Like, peace. And he was like, oh, I, she called me to come. And I was like, no, no, I think you have a mistake. It was probably like another time. He's like, no. And I was like, I don't think you understand. I need you to fucking leave. Don't show up here. And he's like, I don't think you, I don't think you understand. Like, I don't use, I have little kids. I have to feed their mouth. Like, I'm going to tell you something. Me bringing these drugs into your house means that your mom doesn't get in her car and go down to a shitty place by herself and get jumped, get raped or get murdered, or get given drugs that's laced. I'm delivering safe stuff. If you don't let me in, she's going to get it elsewhere, and you may never see her again. And I let him in. Um, I mean, he's right. I well, know. Yeah. yeah, but... You're not going to stop an addict from using You're not going to stop an use. addict. So now I'm part of the problem. Oh. So I let him in. She kept using... And then he came out six months later and sobered her up. He came out and My sobered her up? My stepdad came out of rehab. Sober Gary. S- yep. Sobered her, sobered her up. And they were. Uh, she's been sober ever since. And they're still together? They were together for another 10 years. Holy shit. Which made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. yeah. I hated him. And he was, and he was psychotic. Like, don't like. Th- I'm yeah. missing. You're missing so many stories. I can tell you so many. Stories. But yes, he the was smile. jerking off next to. Yeah, right. Yeah. He was arrested in, in and out of the insane asylums during all these times and whatever. So, but I couldn't believe like she kept him. And then I had my daughter, and she kicked him out six months later. And I think it was because she finally had love again, in having a grandchild and had a reason to live and had the strength to get rid of him. Holy shit. That's nice. That makes me so scared to fall in love. <laughs> you are in love. <laughs> that makes me so scared to... Try did, crack? I did. No, yeah, I don't did. try crack. No, we did ecstasy last night uh, or some kind of go? ecstasy. It was called Moon Rocks. It was my first time and it was amazing. It was amazing. You just We just uh, just lied in bed and and felt so much empathy and compassion and it was therapeutic we just talked for hours and like cried and said sorry for stuff and like uh forgave ourselves for stuff and uh i felt like just so happy and i remember saying a couple times like oh man uh, cause I was a someone my whole life. I never thought I would ever do any drug ever, yeah. ever, ever any drug. And I looked at people that use drugs. It's like, Oh, like how do you even get to that? It's so sad. And then like just experiencing a drug last night, I was like, Oh, like, and what, what scared me is what, how you described your mom's first taste Her of crack. Experience, where, yeah. yeah. We're just like, uh, nothing pained me. I could talk about my divorce. I could talk about, uh, about getting molested and stuff. 
and I was still happy during it. So I could like get during around the molestation. There. No, like during like talk, talking about it. Right. Oh, like yeah. uh, last night because uh, my serotonin is, is so high or whatever. Like I can get around and like mess around in these ugly memories and not and not uh, lose it. And, I and could, would you normally lose it when you have yeah, those well, memories? I don't think I could get into those memories because it's so painful. It was so unsafe. That that yeah. I, just, I don't want to talk about it. But like on wow. Moon Rocks, I was just. Uh, able to talk about everything and 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 heal and feel so happy and feel connected to everyone. I felt so much uh, love in my heart for people that uh, had wronged me and stuff. Hmm. And I remember saying like, oh, I could get addicted to this. Yeah. I could get addicted to this. And I had a little bit of fear that like tomorrow I'll wake up and and life won't feel the same anymore. And what ha- and I feel fine. I feel yeah. okay. But uh, we, we had pizza and we watched um, uh, Flatliners from 1990. Do you, <laughs> oh know, my God. do you remember how hot Julia Roberts was in yes. 1990? God damn. It was phenomenal. So was, I feel okay. But like when you said that uh, yeah. story about your mom, I was just like, oh, yeah. I guess like I don't know. It's still in my mind. I was like, well, crack's a different kind of drug. It is. Crack's yeah, an do uglier. Not do crack, no, no, but I meth, mean like heroin or pills, and you'll be fine. Sure. Those well, I mean, rules. I felt like it. It feel like I. I still kind of judge people that do it. Right. But like I can uh, put myself in the shoes of someone who's so sad. So sad. And then you feel happy, and let's. It's happier than you've ever felt, uh, and you're just like, okay, this is what life is now. How what's interesting is I feel like just recently and I have gone through the process of how do I forgive my mom? Right. Because all I wanted to do was have her back. Right. Like I was all the years she was doing it. I was like, I just want my mom back. I just want my mom back. And then the day that she sobered up, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you for putting me through this hell. Now I don't I don't you can go. You can go fucking die. And she was like, what? And she had she had to beg me for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again. And there was a part of me that still felt like no matter what apology she said, I judged her. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what changed me. Two things. Having a child. And realizing that I am one second away from falling off my own fucking high horse. Right. And I do... I see how hard life is now, but you can't get that when you're 18. Right, exactly. All you can be is an asshole, judgmental teenager. If I was doing this, it'd be so different. Absolutely. You need your parents to be perfect. Yeah. And you're, uh, and, and they're so wrong in so many ways. So this was this was the biggest offense she could do, right? She wouldn't get rid of the abusive man who hurt me, who hurt my brother, who hurt her. She kept him there, and then she became part of the abuse, right? Mm-hmm. And she she offered me crack. She, she asked did. Me, Jesus. She asked me to smoke it with her. Whoa. And I remember her handing it to me, and I remember thinking, I want to do this. <gasps> and I'm going to tell you why I want to do this. The first thing I wanted to do at that moment was, I want to do this so that I get strung out, and one day you find me in the back of an alley, right? Like totally fucking sh- like disgusting and small and messed up and like fucking guys for like crack. And I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to go, you did this to me. Holy shit. That was the first reason I wanted to do it. And then I wanted to get out of my own pain. Yeah. And then I thought about my brother and Mickey. And I was like, they wouldn't survive it. Right. So now I can't do it. 
So I give my mom now as a parent where I realize it's so hard. I feel like they've pushed me into corners where I am my worst self. They have made me so emotionally depleted. And that sounds like I'm blaming them. It's not them. It's life. Parenting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in, and it's me being part of the problem. It's not they yeah. made me. But like I get it when I'm like, God, I kind of just wish I could just get all of this. Just run away. Yeah. And find an easy out. Like a, a part of me. And I think if my husband left me, you know, if he had gone off with some woman and then they were doing like, I get it now. And then I don't think I forgave my mom until this year. And we were really close. Wow. And she did something where was the ultimate sacrifice. And I said, do you, would you mind if I went public with the story? You know? And like, it's, it's her story. Like, it's also like, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like not, and I was like, what if I wrote a show about it? And it was on TV. And we all know, like, the chances of selling a TV show are um, most likely not going to happen, right? But it was an interesting conversation. Like, could I try? Would you be okay if I tried? And she was like, well, if you do that, I'll just tell people, well, my kid's a writer. You know, it's her version of the story. And I said, no, you'd, you'd you'd need to say, yeah, that happened. I wouldn't want you to... To, to deny it and she slept on it for a while and she came back to me weeks later and she said this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me I'm filled with complete shame and I like that nobody knows but if you could get all your dreams to come true because of something horrible that I did then I would be more than happy to give you that gift Wow. and that was when she realized she sacrificed because all those times she was doing crack, I felt like she was putting herself first. I was like, pick me, pick me, sober up. I'll be here. We'll be together. Yeah. And she wouldn't. And now, here we are, 20 years later, and she picked me. You're a very good storyteller. <laughs> yeah. And I just liked how much love there was in the story. Like, when Mickey entered the story, I was like, this yeah. is getting so much better. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, he's the hero. And so is, and I love my mom. She is everything to me. And the fact that, like, when your kid was born, that's mm-hmm. a great, that's fantastic. It is, then uh. this, this is love. This is parenting. Like, this is the sacrifice. And that's what it is. Like, you have kids, you don't realize it's going to be the greatest sacrifice is for them. Right. Well, I, uh, my mom was an addict when I grew up. And the lesson I've had to learn for 20 years now, uh, piece by piece, is that uh, she didn't hate me. Mm. Which still doesn't, like, when I look back and think of all the memories, it only points to her hating me. It's just, like, as a kid, just constantly trying to process, how did I end up with a mom that didn't want to be my mom? That's how it felt. Not wanted here. Yeah. And uh, I never felt, I would watch other people with their kids and, like, Mm -hmm. doting mothers and stuff Mm -hmm. and just be like, uh, I hate going home. I hate being home. I just get screamed at and told to go away. And nothing I do is right. And I get criticized and made fun of. And uh, I'm not allowed to go anywhere. And uh, the only friend I was allowed to have, her dad was molesting me. And a big part of the reason <sighs> I didn't say anything was because she just locked me back in that house. Uh, I think because she was doing drugs and she was selling drugs. And it, it felt like a liability to have me um, out of the house much. Like I couldn't have like s- a, a social circle. My mom had a lot of weird rules. She had a lot of like weird, uh, no, we're not going to celebrate your birthday every year. What? Yeah. <laughs> I had like two birthday parties. 
my god! I mean, I would get like a present, but there was like no parties or or anything like that. Every like, year, Jesus Christ, every year. Every year. And I just, uh, I just played by myself all the time. Just like in my um, uh, imagination, pretending I was other places. And where's your, don't you have a sister? Yeah, so I'm like eight, nine, and ten years older than all my siblings. Oh, that's so irrelevant. When, when yeah. she was born, I just took care of her. So then I got to go out a little bit more but because I was taking care of her. Because by then, mom was like selling crack or whatever. So the house was crazy. And she had moved in these tweakers who were uh the the woman was abusing me and the kids were abusing us and the kids were awful uh disgusting what I, neighborhood where'd you grow hold up me down while i was <gasps> sleeping and i would wake up to her spitting in my face what the other one pissed and the boy pissed into my sister's bath oh my god mm. they were disgusting and then the mom my mom never came out of the crack den and so then the mom would come out and just uh you're such a fucking disgrace to your mother. That's why she doesn't come up here is because she's embarrassed of you. And you cannot do anything right. There's nothing you can do right. And so I left and moved to my dad's house. And then after that, I was like, uh, this bitch will pay for the rest of her fucking life. There just came a point where I was like, uh, yeah, this isn't my problem. This is your fucking problem. And I will never forgive you. And you will pay for the rest of your life. And I kind of took that uh, I came in and out of that at some point I wanted to do drug I wanted to smoke pot and stuff so I moved back in with her so that I could smoke pot yeah that's what I never experienced love for her or whereas a kid I was constantly pining to get that love from her and I just never figured it out I never figured out what what combination of things was going to make you love me and uh and I just detached from it you were so because th- I have lots of everyone's always like, oh, when you s- well, you'll say something. Oh, well, you seem fine. But because I was 18, my brother never, never got over. Never did. Never oh, could man. forgive him. It never could forgive my mom and, and, and couldn't reconnect. But and he was already 14. So you're talking about you were a you were like a baby. I was two. She left when I was two. Yeah. See, and there's no there's five I, when I met her again. But I my dad was cool. I just only saw him like on the summers or whatever in Delaware. The trauma, I think, I mean, and that's why developmental age stuff is so important. Yeah. What what happens to you at what point in your life, you know? So I think when I think back on like, even just my parents getting divorced at nine, when someone goes, well, what does a divorce do? Because it's common, right? I mean, right. P- people get divorced, you know, and you go, but it's still traumatic if it's mishandled. There, exactly. there can be actual peaceful divorces but if you um now have a stepdad or somebody or whatever it was and i would say my feeling and this is where i'm going to tie it back into you is that you were living in a house that was unsafe yeah and i think when you're small and there's no way to have safety um i don't know if you ever can then feel like if you don't learn safety i don't know then how you feel safe either with that person ever again or with other people right like you're saying you're detached it's it's too traumatizing and for a little person to be able to, you know, mature out of it, like how do you even, it, it's just too much. I think that what you is just, you were too young and it was too much. Yeah. I would be, and so where are you now with your mom? Now this is Well, like, so then she gets clean and then I get addicted to meth, which was. Uh, she kind of got to live out your back you got alley to, fantasy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So then I get addicted to meth. Yeah. And there was a, uh, the, my time on meth was extremely healing. I think I would have floundered at that point in my life. There was, there was a lot of self hate 
there was a strong desire to self-destruct. Um, I was a successful stand up for what I was doing mm -hmm. already. I was definitely on a trajectory, definitely would have been a household name. Like there's no doubt in my mind. And, uh, I just, I would be on the road and I would do really weird sexual, uh, things. Like there was just this, uh, this insatiable broken thing in me that I think I would have carried into my life. But then I get, I get hooked on meth. It kind of takes me outside of society. Uh, I also had all these like existential issues with life and, um, I'm outside of society and I ha have an awakening and I, and I put these pieces back together. And at one point I'm sitting in, I gave up my daughter who I never could attach to. Like I never mm -hmm. bonded with her. I didn't know how, how I old was she when you she were able to do I, last time I saw her was her fifth birthday, but she'd already been like living with my sister-in-law for six months. Uh, I had guilt from the minute she was born. I would just look at how other people were with their babies and how, how natural and stuff. And I would just be like, well, if, if she always is dressed very nice. And if, uh, if I teach her everything that she needs to know, but there was no, uh, I didn't have the, the feelings mm -hmm. that I was supposed to have. Were you already using by that point? Mm -mm, no. no, I was a born again Christian. And so I'm just surrounded by, uh, at this point I've married into a family of born again Christians who thought, you know, I, uh, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks and so I'm the wrong thing, but their son knocked me up. And so, uh, they tried, they tried to be nice, but now I'm in this like Christian with all these women who are like pure and virgins. And I'm but just you're telling awful. jokes on stages. No. So the five years that she was, oh. I was a born again Christian. Then I divorce, I separate from him and I start doing comedy and then for like eight months and then I started doing meth. And, and she didn't, and she was being raised by, I had her until she, I started doing meth. And okay. then as soon as I started doing meth, I, uh, I justified it like I never thought I should have been her mom anyway. <sighs> and uh, I had to fight with my parents about it because I wasn't fully. It was pretty obvious I was on drugs, but I wasn't admitting I was on drugs. And at one point, my dad was like, uh, a child is a responsibility. You don't just drop them off when you're done with them. And I was like, I think a child is supposed to be a privilege. And I've treated her like a responsibility for five years. And she'd be better off with someone other than me. And uh, so who ended up fully raising her? My ex-husband's sister. Do she just fucking sucks for no reason. How was that <laughs> sister? Did she do a good job? She did a great job. Aww. And uh, she was afraid like, I don't I don't want you to come back and take her from me yeah. whenever you get done doing whatever you're yeah. going to do. She's mine now. And yeah. uh, and I was like, I won't do that. I promise she's uh, I'm not I, I knew in my head I felt in my head that I was never coming back and yeah. that my intentions were to disappear forever and to let her forget that I existed and uh when I got clean I did call because all of a sudden now I love myself I'm able to love other people I can kind of feel I'm not like uh super good at attaching still but like uh I felt it for the first time that there was a piece of me out there and I was so curious about her and wondered what she was into and you know was she a teenager she was 10 when I got oh, clean yeah. and uh, she found me on MySpace and MySpace had that, who would you like to know? And it just said, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we talked a little bit and then I would get too like excited and she would back off and mm -hmm. it was a kind of a dance like that for mm -hmm. a couple of years. And then uh, I saw her, I had her in my wedding and then I moved to Portland to be closer to her and then didn't see her again for another year. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, 
and then I hung out. I would pretend to not be me because they were like Christians and shit. And so I didn't want them to know that I was a hypnotist that was uh, woo woo as fuck. And then uh, we were driving and she said, I got grounded for looking up other religions on the internet, but I just feel this need to understand what other people believe. And I was like, uh, nature versus nurture. Holy shit, buckle up. And by the end of this trip, it just felt like she was me and she should be with me. And uh, took a couple months. It was extremely hard on everybody to take her from them. They were hurt and everyone was hurt. It was just everyone was triggered and saying mean things to each other. And it was heartbreaking. And uh, she was torn. And she would say she's moving in with me and then not moving in with me. And then I wouldn't get off my couch for two weeks. And then I, uh, she finally moved in. How old was she? 14. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she did? And, and then... And it was fantastic. Yeah. It was a what? rough, like, few... Uh, six months. I did not see this end of the story coming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my God. She picked you. She did pick me. And she had the perfect combination of uh, experiences and parents and stuff. That She's one of the most well-adjusted people I've ever met. And I know people who uh, feel super sorry for themselves who didn't get abandoned by their parents and uh, she's just, they were exactly what she needed when she needed it. She got, she had siblings. And Is she still close with them? Mm-hmm. Good. They were able to rehab through it yeah. too, that loss. Yeah. For her, for her Christmas present, I bought her tickets to go fly out and see them. That's and amazing. then we're all going to hang out for a day because I, uh, we all love each other now that we've. Uh, this has a real happy ending. Oh. Yeah. No, it worked wow. out. It worked out very good. Wow. And her and I are very close. And she's me. It's weird. Nature versus nurture. Cause she they look exactly the same too. Yeah. But, really? Uh, but they, yeah, they, they're really, really similar. That's amazing. So she has the complete like ability to forgive. Yeah. Her, she has, um, that was one, uh, quality of her dad's, uh, cause I am not a forgiving person. He's a extremely That's objective, put himself in everyone else's shoes. Very forgiving. Wow. And those were not qualities that I had before yeah. I met him. Yeah. And, uh, I do have, uh, uh, the great ability of, uh, picking up qualities from people I love. And so, uh, it was after we split and then his words would just always, he would always just be like, just put yourself in their shoes wow. and you wouldn't be offended. If yeah. you looked at it from their perspective, you would realize this is a misunderstanding. Well, it's like Aaron was saying from the very beginning, which was like, what's the motivation behind it? What's the intent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if the intent isn't to hurt, you know what I mean? Right. And it's to laugh or to heal or to whatever. If you can put yourself in anyone's shoes and know that they're not evil, then the complete framework flips. Yeah. And wow. so she understood why well there came a point where she did was feeling sorry for herself like 19 just like frustrated with life whatever that's when you're supposed to feel sorry for yourself and we had a conversation in a car and i said uh it's going to seem like i have a dog in the fight here because it would be easier for you to forgive me but that's not actually true uh it was hard for me to forgive myself Mm -hmm. but i have forgiven myself because i have to forgive myself for everything in my life or i'm going to get trapped uh, on a timeline that's over. So I forgave myself for what I did. I'm sorry for it, but I have forgiven myself. And uh, you can do it whenever you're ready, but you have reached a point where your resentment is not serving you. And I'm telling you this as the person who's going to tell you things that are going to help you succeed in life and not as the person who is tired of hearing you complain about it because I don't give a shit. It actually kind of scratches an itch for you to be mad at me about right. it. But... 
um, it's no longer serving you. My timeline for the advice on that for people is you get to complain about your childhood until your 30th birthday. And then that's it. Yeah. You can have your 20s. You can be all fucking pissy and all you can hate your parents for everything you want. But by the time you turn 30, shit's on you. Yeah. Now it's about your life. I need to know what happened with your mom. Uh, while I was high one day, I was in a basement with a friend who was crying about what an awful parent they were uh, because they kept their kid through drugs. And to me, I was like, I've seen what this lifestyle is like. First of all, it's how you get your kid molested but uh, and CPS involved. Uh, but they chose to keep their child through this lifestyle and the child had seen a lot and been through a lot and uh, she just like screamed at him or something she's crying about what an awful uh mother she was and I was like you're not a bad mom you're just high and in that moment something clicked you heard it and all of a sudden all of these experiences I mean, my mother had a terrible childhood the she was raised by a fucking monster and uh so she was just hard and just uh she's soft now and it's still hard you know what I mean it's it's scratchy and uh all of a sudden, all of these life experiences come flooding into my head, and all of a sudden, I realize that this was just someone twacked out who was fucking on some trip in her head and didn't want to hear whatever fucking theory I had about, you know, because I've been this insufferable my entire life. So it's like, <laughs> as, a, as a kid, it's just like, here's what kind of weird shit I came up with in my head. She just didn't have any space in her head for it. Yeah. And uh, I think... Uh, once I became afraid of her and and didn't feel like she liked me, I probably got uh, more annoying. And uh, and all of it just, it was all because of drugs. That's it. It was just, She was fucking high. And, she, and now I'm on drugs. And I didn't pick my kid right. over drugs because that's not how fucking addiction works. Right. And so I'm in her shoes and I get it. You know, yep. I get it. It wasn't about me. It never had anything to fucking do with me. Yep. And uh, I spent most of my addiction hurting her, like intentionally hurting her. I would show up after being gone for years and all she would want is to like love me and, and be worried. And I would just uh, use her for something and then turn on her and fucking leave her crying in her living room and then disappear for another couple of years. I'd break into her house and steal all her groceries or I took checks a couple of times and bought drugs. And uh, I felt like she deserved all of that. And I was... Uh, uh, I felt for a long time like and I and a pattern in my life is if you hurt me yeah. uh, if I let you close and then you hurt me I'll destroy you I'll I'll make you pay uh, and I did that in multiple relationships uh, and I did that to her and then the day I got clean I was like it's done that was it that was it it's done I forgive her and I'm gonna let her uh, I'm going to be good to her and I'm not going to think about how she wasn't for me. And, uh, and that's just how I have, uh, lived ever since then. Do you talk often? She lives here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey mom. There she is. <laughs> Bring her out. She's my nanny when I'm, uh, out of town. That's right. And I she do just took that. them up. She takes them that's up to right. Portland so they could be with her dad. And, yeah. uh, she so she's like my mom this amazing grandma she gets to redeem herself yeah with my, her my mom is in full redemption because yeah. of who she is as a grandmother the cycles this this full cycle thing yeah. is so interesting but you're right she lived out my alley fantasy uh-huh wow yeah. 
and she definitely did feel my other sister's an addict too. And so my mom said that she never felt guilty for anything she did until her kids became drug addicts. Oh, so it would have worked is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Worked. <laughs> Might not be too late. I know yeah. a guy. Yeah, you can just always try. <laughs> I'm, listen, you never know. You did ecstasy. Now I know where I can get it. We'll start there. Mm. Uh, so, Nicole, is there yeah. anything we should plug before we end? Can we plug how you're going to be on my show? In two yeah, weeks? absolutely. I'm so excited for this. I have a fake sister uh, that I started stand up with in at Brigham Young University, and of course uh, you're Brigham she, Young. Yeah, and she uh, did debate all through high school, and so the baiters I, take it very seriously. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. So anyway, tell the show that we're going to do in a couple weeks. Okay. Show we're going to do in a couple weeks. It's called Drunk Debates. Um, I've done it a handful of times and now I'm going to start recording them as a podcast. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. So this will be the first one that we'll be recording for that. Um, so what it is, is I have two kids that are professional college debaters. So they've won against Harvard and Yale. They can take any, I mean, they are cocky mm-hmm. as fuck. Okay. They are the smartest kids in the room. They're okay. amazing. Okay. So these two little, little, little things. And we're going to do a real topic, okay? And we're going to do an old-school Lincoln-Douglas debate. You don't need to worry about the format. I'm going to guide you through it. Okay. Well, that's what Callie was giving me tips on. So I'm, coming in, I'm coming in with some insider info. Great. But she was on, she was telling me that with Lincoln-Douglas debates, there's a schedule. And that's like, she like showed me the schedule, and it's like, in January, the the, the topic for debate is... We're not going to do that, though. Okay, I'm thank picking, goodness, I'm picking the topics. No, okay. I, I, I do the topics. So you're going to get a very hot topic, okay. a real topic that's happening in, in the world today. All right. right, something very hot, and Lincoln. And I'm going to basically give you three. It's I'm either going to give you a t- time limit of two minutes or three minutes, but you will be on a partner. You're going to be with Kira Sultanovich. Yes. Yeah. And I love the, Kira Sultanovich. It's as good as it gets. And so but. one of you will do an opening, one of you will do a cross examine, and then there'll be a, a conclusion, and they'll have the same thing. So it goes back and forth, back and forth, right? Okay. So you will be able to listen to the kids. Right. And you'll have your own opening. But then when you cross examine, you can write while they're arguing their stuff. Take notes. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, but the point, by the way, I guess I should explain. So with the drunk debate is, is that the children are sober and the comics are plastered. <laughs> yeah. But the, and the, by the way, I feel like we're stacking the deck in their favor. Then. We yeah. can't even be. You are better drunk. And we do we get to find out the subject before the show or is this right? Right. When it starts. I wanted to crush these children. I wanted to, <laughs> my goal was like everyone wants to probably just treat this as a funny show. I'm uh-huh. here to win. You should, you should have prepped. that attitude. Okay. Absolutely. You will have an idea of what you need to study up on. Okay. There All will right. be only a few potential topics. Okay. Okay. We'll spin a wheel. It'll land. And that will be your topic. All right. But okay. you will know ahead of time what, what the potential topics are. All right. So okay. you, you, you can definitely prepare. And I want now here. Now, the, I don't know if you read when I was describing it. You're going to get the conservative, the one? conservative side. Yeah. Which leads to some pretty great storytelling. Because like, and I'm sure your friend told you when you're a debater, you're given you have to fully support whatever side you're given. Right. So the fun thing, and this is why I think it's fun, is that the kids are going to be saying the liberal side and they're going to make these amazing, strong points. But you're going to have to now defend why we should pay for a wall. Yeah. Right. And you're going to think of a very creative story of why gun control, you know, that we should have guns. You're going to have to come up, you know, so th- that type of thing, right? Uh-huh. Like why we need more guns, why children should be and teachers should have guns in schools. Right. So you have to think comedically how to spin that story. 
Okay. And that's January 24th? January 24th at the Westside Comedy Theater at 8 p.m. You can buy tickets to the live show. They're 10 bucks at westsidecomedy.com. Just go down to Drunk Debates. Um, and there's going to be a judge, and there will be no a ruling. Way. And we'll Also, on the show is Rob Christensen. Yep. That uh, Jess and I met when Jess was taping for Epics. He did an Epics uh, Oh, he's so he's funny. So well. fucking he's so fucking funny. He he's really insane. is. I've he's watched so his episode twice. I hated my episode, but I've watched his episode <laughs> twice. He's so good. He was really nice to He's me coming too. tomorrow to record a podcast. Oh, good. Oh, that's right. That's right. Good. And um, I got a fourth person. So his teammate is going to be Joey Bragg. Do you oh, know okay. who that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Disney? Uh-huh. He's a Disney kid. Oh, my God. Who was also a stand-up comic. So I have like a little kid who's like totally dirty. <laughs> so it's uh, it's going to be a good show. So okay. yeah. So and then you guys can look out for the Drunk Debates podcast in the future. Awesome. Any other podcast or unboxing channels that uh, you want to plug? I have my regular Virgin Sacrifice show is also at the Westside Comedy Theater. That's the first Thursday of the month usually. And that's one so person who's never... That? You're Again? doing that. T- you're doing that in February. We're both doing that on oh, February seventh. Okay. Yeah, I'm having. We're not both the come. virgins, though. You're not the virgins. The 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 premise of this show is that you have someone who's never ever done stand up before and is never going to do it again. So I have a ton of doctors and lawyers. Oh shit! And they close the show, but uh-huh. I get like a bunch of like a stacked lineup of pros ahead of time. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. It's good. So that's what I got going on. That's it. Fantastic. Oh well, thank uh, you so much. This was amazing. You guys, it was it an was. honor. I, I can't believe you asked me to be on it. No, I lo- thought maybe you great. texted the wrong person. Oh. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Anyway, Nicole Blaine, uh, thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. <laughs>